This is the Rad Mars Podcast, Episode 80. I'm Andy Mindler. And I'm Brendan Trombley. I'm Trevor Williams. And I'm Andrew Ford. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello, Dar. I wanted to, I forgot last week when I was on after my hiatus <laughs> to talk about Halloween and oh. how oh, every what Halloween. What I, uh, timely, uh, timely for I know. this particular episode <laughs> that comes out, I'm guessing, at the end of November. Right. <laughs> Halloween is a month old, but let's talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk about like the fact that... <laughs> so I, every Halloween, I make Lindsay watch a, a scary movie. and But Lindsay can't do like scary movies. She can't do like horror, like scary movies at all. Like at all. So I have to do like a scary movie that's not scary. <laughs> like uh, like uh, Gremlins? No, that's a good one. Uh, we did The Thing last year. And that wasn't scary because it's old and... Like at this point, it's kind of like a, a little like cheesy. Wait, was that the one in Antarctica? Yes, that that's kind of a terrifying movie, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like wow. It would She's... be if it didn't look old. All right, <laughs> like so. It... She like she watches it and she's like, "This looks like an old movie," and like the special effects don't look that great. Um, I mean, like I think I thought they looked great. But I mean, right? Because they're practical effects, and it was, yeah, like, it was like a really cool part of the charm. But I mean, like to just like an average person, it looks kind of cheesy yeah, at I this point right. in time. I mean, it's yeah. Maybe it's maybe she's just um, withholding her suspension of disbelief as a defense mechanism so that she doesn't have to be scared. That's absolutely like possible. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have year, cut so deep. Yeah, <laughs> this year I made her watch uh, Tremors. Which mm. is like even like on a like when it came out, I don't think it was a horror or like terror like scary movie at all. It's kind of a campy um, one, right? Wait, is that the one with the little worms? The big big worms. They're big worms. They're something somethingoids. They're slugs. They're not. They're like what? What worms. are they called? Like grabuloids or something? Uh, graboids. Graboids. That sounds right. Graboids. Yeah. That's what they called them. Uh, it's got uh, Kevin Bacon and Reba McIntyre. <laughs> Cool, great. Yeah, it was. I love when I was young, when I was little. Like I loved fucking Tremors. I mm. love that movie. It was. So I guess great. It's a, I have not seen it. Really? Did they make a bunch no, of no. sequels as well. Yeah, there's a shitload of them. I think they're all bad. I think the second <laughs> one might be. The second one might be good. Why is it called um, Tremors if it's about worms? Do the worms create they travel tremors? underground? And uh, yeah, they create like. So one of one of the the main characters is a woman who's like a seismologist, and she's like getting weird readings and she can't figure out where these readings are coming from. They're coming mm. from the fucking sandworms. So it's, yeah, it's like, it's like, what if earthquakes, but not what it, right? <laughs> like the fear, not necessarily the fear of earthquakes, but yeah, the fear of the underground and then detecting it before you can understand. I mean, like is. that's like a, such a small part of it. Like that mm. only like, 
once they like find them or like once they show up like that whole shit is gone because then it's about them like just fucking grabbing people and eating them and stuff there's not i want to i want to have like a a portable seismometer and being like "Ah, ah," and then it like starts the reading starts coming up it'd be like uh the glass of water in jurassic park but all the time Mm. no you know the thing that watching that movie i was really amazed by um the like special effects in that like they there's a ton of shots of just like them looking at like the ground and the dirt and the sand and like shit moving through like underground and like the ground moving and stuff Hmm. and a lot of it looks real good like Hmm. it you can tell like they legitimately did it i don't know how they did it though because there were like so many shots where what the only thing i could think of that they did was like they dug up the ground and they put something in it that would move through the ground and then they covered it back up and then they staged everything on top of it. But there are like, there's so much in the movie that like, I don't know how the fuck, like I I was blown away um, because it's like a lot of it looks really good. The actual like monsters looks, I mean, I thought, I think they look good, but they're practical, like worms. Again, practical effects. Did you say you had or will watch this with Lindsay? Oh, we did. We watched it. Okay. She was kind of like, I mean, the movie's a little campy, so she was like, this is ridiculous. Um, but I think she actually enjoyed it a little bit. And she, we had just watched Dune, and so she's like, uh, she's like, oh boy, this is very Dune-y with the worms. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't think this movie, like, this movie doesn't happen without Dune. Yeah, it's yeah. practically the same film. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> It just goes to show, continuing our conversation last, whenever we talked about Dune, is how influential Dune really is, yep. specifically vis-a-vis sandworms and worms sandworms. and sand together. Yep. Doing things. <laughs> Doing things in the sand. Was yep. there, like, before Dune, like, were there, like, sandworm things? Because I feel like sandworms are just kind of, like, a thing with, like, space shit, you know, like... I think Dune invented that. I think that's yeah. just so in- baked into the consciousness. But I, I, I mean, I'm kind of guessing there. Yeah, I was thinking of an old Super Nintendo game called uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and they had a level on it where there were a bunch of sandworms going around. Yeah, I feel like, you know, just growing up, like I've seen that so many times that like it, it, it didn't like set into my head that like someone actually had to like invent that shit, you know? It was like, was that <laughs> Dune? Like, did this guy like come up with something that like seems like at this point so obvious i don't know why like what fucking sandworms aren't real but it seems like like an obvious thing so it's like the cultural equivalent of like everyone who pulls from greek mythology for all of their fiction and whatnot yeah right yeah pretty much well that's what i'm wondering like the the, like is that like a thing in like greek mythology like there's just like a big sandworm in the you know like no no I'm just using that in terms of like, there's a lot of pieces of fiction and whatnot that draw from Greek mythology. And I'm just saying that like in the same way, a lot of things yeah. pull from Dune now. And so yeah. like Dune is like an effectively, you know, one person made a tiny little mythology that is now in sort of integrated into, you know, the culture. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, did like, are, is there like some older like mythos about like giant fucking worms somewhere that he pulled so. that from do even? Our, do our research. Well, yeah. I, I mean, there's like a Norse mythology where you've got Jomunger, like the right, world the... and eater, uh, who's eating the tree of life. Isn't and he's a he... giant, giant worm? Is he a worm or a snake that lives under the ocean? A snake. snake, I think. Sea serpent or something. Yeah. 
But I mean, like, that's kind of like a fucking worm. But that's not a sandworm. I don't know, man. So one thing that always bugged me about sandworms is that, like, they treat the ground like water, basically, and they kind of swim through it. And that's that's always kind of bugged me. But the Dune movie, the most recent one, really did a great job of kind of demonstrating how it creates vibrations as sort of yeah, like know, put, that, put the sand in that sort of liquid state, and then it presumably would swim through it. Was that an mm. invention of the movie, or was that like established? I don't, I don't know. Um, I thought it was very cool because that's that's really what sand does, right? When you vibrate it, it becomes more liquid or behaves more like a liquid. I thought that was from the movie. Like I thought that was this movie they did that. Um, it was very smart of them. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I had to say about that. I forgot to say last week. So yeah. thank you for giving me the option. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Apparently, there is a legendary uh, sort of a cryptid called the Mongolian death worm that I just learned about. Ooh, oh, a creature alleged to exist in the Gobi Desert. Uh, first came to Western attention as a result of a book that came out in 1926. Ooh. Oh, so, fuck. There you go. I don't think it's and quite as big as this. Dune. <laughs> no, yeah. But I mean, like, it, he might have somehow caught wind of it or read it or something, and like, it just planted that seed, man. We have to consult the archives to see if Frank Herbert, that's who wrote it, right? Frank yep. Herbert ever accessed that book. <laughs> the that Mongolian death worm. Yeah. Seek, seek through the, the, the deep knowledge of his, of his history and his life. And then accuse him of plagiarism of mythology. <laughs> I mean, everything comes from somewhere, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind, of feel, I kind of feel like it's the same idea if you just take X and make it larger. It's like giant ants. Those are way the hell everywhere in science fiction but you have to combine ants with something that's like not normally associated with ants like you got worms and sand so like mm-hmm. you need like ants and like cotton candy you have cotton candy ants okay okay yeah. and i'm they, with you and they they generate cotton candy out of their butts and then what? they can zip along it you just lost instantaneously <laughs> They zip along it. They, they travel through the cotton candy. Yeah, like a filament. Like a swoop. Mm-hmm. This is like Spider-Man, except horrific. Now see, now see if you were like like spiders and cotton candy, and they like wove the cotton candy from their butts. Like that's where the cotton candy came from. And then hand it over to children. Mm. Like they were like cotton candy weavers. All Whoa, right. That's, I think we're on to something here. <laughs> what, I think what's happening? Some... Are we writing a book? Let's yeah, do this. This is some great design by committee. I love it. <laughs> Yep, yep. And then we are going to establish this wonderful idea, which people will then be able to draw upon in all of their fiction in the future. Right. And in 100 years, there won't be (laughs) cotton candy and spiders will just be this synonymous thing. And that people will wonder why. That's why nobody Mm. wants to eat cotton candy anymore. (laughs) Well, because of the fucking spiders, man. Yeah. Except it gets you really high and gives you superpowers. Oh, Oh, shit. (laughs) It's 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 supernatural cotton candy. Yeah. I take back any of my objections. Perfect. It's like super Spider-Man spice uh, cotton candy. <laughs> well, now that we've invented that, what are we actually talking about today? Uh, piracy. Oh, yeah. Mm. So this started because uh, a few weeks ago, Metroid Dread released. And then there was like a couple articles that came out talking about how... <laughs> I think it was like within like three days or something. Um, there was ROMs or whatever, so you could you could emulate it. Is that is that normal for a Switch? Like it's a normal no. Switch game, right? Like, but like it yeah. was just a good old Switch game. It was like one of the fastest like 
between like market to emulation um, games that I think anybody had heard of. And uh, people were like up in arms about Kotaku um, writing that article because people were like, oh, you're just you're telling people to like steal games and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, that's a shitty way to like read that. I think it's, you know, it's newsworthy to write an article about something that's newsworthy, you know, like. Yeah, I hadn't even realized that Switch was that well emulated at this point. Yeah, me either. Yeah, you can you can play like most things, I think. Um, like you could do Breath of the Wild. You could do. Um, <laughs> I can't think of any other any games. other switch games that exist yeah. i don't know <laughs> fuck shit i was all the other games that came to mind were actually not switch games they were um like wii and wii u games yeah or indie games <laughs> the like switch God is essentially yeah the switch is essentially the the breath of the wild plus indie darling yeah console right oh no someone's going to emulate celeste on switch <laughs> oh no so they pirated the game yeah, so there was like also an argument going about how they shouldn't have written that article because, you know, it's encouraging people to uh, steal games and stuff. And they're like, you know, em- emulation is important and shouldn't be shut down because uh, it's really great for, um, you know, historical. Uh, what do you? I don't know. Yeah, the words ar- are archival. Archive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to like play games that like are notoriously difficult to get a hold of, or like, it, it, no, al- almost every console is just dog shit at uh, you know, keeping up with games and uh, yeah. making them playable. So there's a lot of games that you just can't play anymore, uh, realistically. So emulation is really the only way to do that. So, you know, it's doing it's it's doing a good thing there because it's making stuff available and playable that otherwise wouldn't be but then you know the morality of emulating a game that came out three days ago kind of sucks yeah i mean typically like i think there being like a five-year delay or something between something being available and a functional emulator for it being yeah. around the other the other reason people were pissed was because the article kind of pointed out the fact that um by emulating it, you can actually play the game better than the Switch does because you can run it at 4K resolution yeah. and with like anti-aliasing and stuff like that. So they're like, it actually looks better. And people were like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Um, well, that's when it, that's, I guess that's when it starts to get at the real, like, I don't know, kind of the heart of the tension between piracy and like getting something legitimately. But like, yeah, when, when, when you can do it better or more conveniently when pirating, because of say all the hoops you might have to jump through or right. whatever to get something legitimately, then piracy seems to be the very natural option. And that's when I feel like it's not so unethical. Look at, look at like music piracy. Music piracy was like a huge thing. at like the turn of the century. Like people were like all pissed off about Napster and all this crap. And it was because like getting music onto your computer was such a pain in the ass. But mm-hmm. if you just had a, th- Napster or Kazam, Kazaa, whatever the fuck, you could yep. download this shit for free right to your hard drive, and then you could listen to it. Like you didn't have to burn it. You didn't. Have... And so, like, uh, who who pirates music anymore? You know why? Because like fucking Spotify. You have Spotify. It, the the like friction between like me wanting to listen to music and me being able to listen to music is like non-existent. And hell, even before Spotify, like I would just search for songs on YouTube. Yeah. 
and I still do that when I can't find it on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Or even like just like uh, iTunes, like just buying the song on iTunes. Like it's super easy now. Like th- back then there wasn't anything like that. So it seems like piracy is like it finds its greatest niche when it's like the availability is I feel like- difficult. <laughs> This is a weird this is a weird metaphor that just popped into my head but but piracy is kind of like Magic the Gathering burn decks. I don't know if you know anything about what I just said. Yeah, you just I said don't... a lot of nonsense to me. <laughs> Channel Fireball, <laughs> boom, you win. Exactly. So a burn deck is usually a red colored deck and all it does is just like do basically direct damage to your enemy's face as quickly as possible, right? And, and in, in Magic you have to do 20 damage and so it's just filled with cards that can do that. It's like extremely aggressive. You can win in a matter of turns, like a matter, like a few, quite a few turns, like quite, quite few turns. Is that the way to say that word? <laughs> that, that phrase. Mm-hmm. And so what it does is it's basically a a natural predator to like overly greedy, like control decks. So like you know if given if if given your way in Magic and you had like unlimited turns to get all the mana you wanted and then like pull out this like ridiculous like one turn combo, like that's all well and good, but like. If someone punches you in the face really quickly right at yeah. the start, you lose. <laughs> right. So you have to be able to like have a deck that can that can do the thing quickly enough or efficiently enough or at least survive, like have the right kind of survivability against the burn deck to then get the cool combo that you want. So there's a balancing act. It, and so the metaphor to me is like you can't get too greedy with your media like <laughs> distribution scheme or the burn decks is going to come in the pirate the pirates is going to come in and do the really just going to punch you in the face and do the really quick easy thing instead mm-hmm. yeah so you have to be like you have to you have to you have to tone back that greed and then mm-hmm. people will kind of maybe fall in line and then you know i guess the uh the the the, the majesty gathering uh counter metaphor would be like if you have the right amount of uh appropriately balanced decks that would beat burn decks then the burn decks go away you know what i mean yeah so where are the mid-range decks in this analogy? What did they become? Yeah, the, I'm talking about the mid-range decks. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like, you know, like the amount of friction between like a product and a person like kind of determines like piracy, especially like mostly like digital because you can't like pirate not digital shit really. Um, you wouldn't so download like, a car, would you? <laughs> oh man, I just saw someone, someone took that. And then they replaced it with you wouldn't screenshot an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> the, my answer to the you wouldn't download a car, would you? Is like fuck yes, I would. Yeah, just, just like any mm-hmm. other any other thing. If I can freely copy a thing that doesn't take it away from the person that owns it right. and costs no nobody anything, then like yeah, right. yeah, I would download a car. <laughs> yeah, and I'd I mean, like, print it or whatever the fuck. Because it's like if somebody like makes it difficult to get a thing, but like it's much easier to just pirate it, man, piracy becomes mm-hmm. like way more appealing. Like, oh, yeah, when it when piracy becomes more difficult, like when it's easier to just buy the thing, like that's what happened with the advent of Steam, I feel like. Um, because before Steam, you had to like actually buy a physical copy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so to get a game, you could either pirate it and like download it offline and then jump through their hoops to like crack it or whatever the fuck you needed to do. Or you could buy it. You got to open up that jewel case and type in the million digit code that allows you to unlock your game. And a lot of times like Gen Z kids don't know the pain. Yeah, I know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a lot of times, like also like games you would buy the physical and you, they would have hoops you'd have to jump through too. So it was like, man, I'm just going to like get the, like download the fucking like the copy of it like and then steam happened and it was like oh no i just pay like like type in my credit card number and it's instantly on my computer that's easier i'll do that well, i'm curious about some of these other things like um super nintendo games for example i feel like that was sort of like where i had sort of like my heart and soul in emulation like a decade or two decades ago or something like that but nowadays like there's a bunch of those games are ported to like switch and whatnot and and we get to buy them over and yeah, over and over. Right. And that's what I'm curious about, because being available on those platforms, although it's selling it to you again, it makes it a lot more convenient the same way that Steam right. made it more convenient to buy things. So I'm curious if any of you have like bought any of these games on these platforms. Yeah. Like, yeah. I bought like Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy, like five times probably in my lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. I bought Legend of Zelda multiple times uh i can't remember if i have bought any of these games more than one time but i've definitely but now they're like scattered across like several yeah. different ecosystems i've got right. i've got some games in wii i've got some games in like 3ds i don't know what if i got i guess i don't on the switch because the switch does that like package thing now right you just you buy the snes app because it comes with your subscription and then you just get access to a bunch of those games which is mm-hmm. nice um I wanted to point out one thing, though, is that like it's not just about friction anymore because I actually and, and I think this is a good lesson to take away is that uh, you can also value add if you do the right if you do the, if you have like the low friction thing, but you also have this like correct sort of setup. So like Steam's a really good example, in my opinion. Um, Steam doesn't just make frictionless buying possible. It also has all this other benefits, including like you buy it once, you own it forever across all your computers that you'll ever own forever. Right. And it does like a, a cloud save, right? So yeah. my, my progress is saved from computer to computer, computer too. Uh, and like automated updates of games. Like I feel like yeah. people just like are, it's so commonplace nowadays, people don't even think about it, but it used to be a real chore to keep your game up to date. Yeah. You know? So if you pirate any of those games, you don't get any of those benefits as far as I know. So I think that's like, I don't know, any, I, I think the music industry could, could take a, take a lesson from that. I don't know. I don't know what that would look like, but like, it would be nice. I don't know. Maybe Spotify's already kind of got it covered. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> Cloud save my music so that I own it across everything. Yeah, Spotify's got that already. Yeah, I was of. like, that is pretty much Spotify. No, the thing that the thing that's shitty about Spotify is just that the artists themselves make yeah. fucking pennies. That's that's, that's my that's issue shitty. with Spotify is the, and I mean like, Steam is not like immune to that. Like their cut is way too much. <laughs> yeah, but it's still it's still less than the majority, right, of the revenue that a person pays for the thing. What's Steam's cut for a game? Like thirty percent? I think it's thirty percent. Thirty percent is ridiculous. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, it's of fucking it huge. Is. There's but no like, reason. Like, do you know how much money Steam makes? Like, yeah, they could I mean, they could drop they, that to like five percent and be totally fine. And this is why Valve never releases games anymore. Right. <laughs> they don't have to. They have no incentive to do that. Um, yeah, but like, I don't know. I mean, at least it's, it's, at least it's still, it still enables a model in which the original artist makes money off of the thing rather than like, what is Spotify? Like, like every a million plays you get like a dollar. I don't you know. know. It's, it's like, terrible. It's, it's really like bad. That, I'm really curious about like what the percentage was for distribution before steam when it was all sort of like physical distribution, like what percentage of the 
product actually went to the developer. Probably um, not. It, probably not much more because yeah, like I think it was bad. Probably worse. Yeah, because like you had to pay the like you had, first of all you had to have a what's the word a publisher, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they mediated the whole like creating the physical media and doing the advertising and all that stuff. And they, as far as I know, took the lion's share of everything. I mean, and then of course it, the retailers and everything. <laughs> it's not like that's not a thing that still exists because consoles people like sell physical copies for console games and stuff. Yeah, it still exists, but it's not the only way. Right. I guess there's also like the whole morality angle of mm-hmm. like pirating. He said the M word during the pirate the pirating conversation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well just like uh, you know, like we were just talking about how it's garbage for Steam to take such a huge cut and mm-hmm. like Spotify to pay the artists so shitty. And it's like, so clearly we have some thoughts on who, where money should be going. And then piracy just says, nobody gives money. <laughs> yeah. I've got some thoughts on that. So like who generally pirates, it's usually really young people, right? Like high schoolers and, or at least this is my, maybe it's different. I don't know. I think that high schoolers these days probably can't pirate as well as we do because of the whole iPad thing making, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Technology is too, too, too user-friendly these days. They don't, they don't have to go into the Win32 file and do things like we did. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have the know-how of how to pirate shit. <laughs> I was going to say games are also designed to make it less appealing to uh, pirate them nowadays by having like online connectivity features, things like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm getting at is like the argument against piracy is often like, well, it's costing the company money. And that's only true if that person would have paid for it in the first place. Yeah. It's like when they, ever, when they say piracy costs our company, you know, however many times this was pirated times the cost of the product. It's like, no, dumbasses. Like if the yeah, piracy you were never getting that money to begin you, with, you were never getting that money to begin with. If, if the piracy was impossible, they would have not bought the product. Some, some small percentage of people would have, but like huge numbers of them would have just been like, no, nah, fuck it. I don't, I guess I don't own Metroid now illegally. We're also talking <laughs> way, the a company lot gets about, zero money. Yeah, we're also talking a lot about like pirating video games and like music, but there's other things. You can pirate movies, you can pirate you can uh, pirate just software. Tres- chests of gold and treasure. What? True. Maybe. <laughs> Aircraft, <laughs> boats, oh, you can pirate all of these things. You can, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, when you pirate like a movie, I think like who's getting hurt is different than like say pirating software or pirating a game like there's like you almost need to apply morality differently across the different things like that you're actually certainly stealing and it goes back to what i said a moment ago which is like if you're pirating something where you're making a copy of the thing rather than literally taking it from someone and there's a net loss on their side and a gain on your side that's different too right like like literally literally pirating someone's gold is worse than pirating someone's music file yeah, because mm-hmm. if I pirate the music file, we both have the music file. If I pirate your gold, only I have the gold. Yeah, I feel like we're talking about two very distinct things at this point that just happen to share a name. Yeah, well, sure. Maybe, maybe we can talk about being the freest motherfucker on all the seas and finding the island of Raftel and becoming the pirate king. What the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's One Piece. It's the One Piece anime. God damn mm. it. It's always One Piece. <laughs> it's about pirates. A completely random note. Uh, I heard that there was some artist that on Spotify released a completely like 
a, a track that was nothing but silence and then encouraged their uh, fans to listen to it on repeat constantly while they're sleeping um, oh. and managed to get a decent amount of money from Spotify that way. Was it John Cage's 44 minutes and 22 seconds of silence or was it somehow a different rendition of silence? It was different. I could go all go into four, how 433 <laughs> is an important performance piece. The band in question is called Wolfpack and they actually funded an entire tour based on that money, which is pretty great. Whoa, that's nice. amazing. Can I buy an NFT of that? Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can make you money. You can buy. <laughs> so, side, side tangent. Um, so they just passed a law that says that um, any like cryptocurrency or NFTs that you own are now taxable income. So this past year when like NFT like blew up and stuff, all those crypto assholes that were like thinking they're making all this goddamn money and like <laughs> we're rich now. All those fuckers have to pay taxes on all that shit or they can go like that's a federal crime for tax evasion. Good luck auditing that based on how fucking Basically, yeah, how do you enforce that? Yeah. Oh. I don't know, man. I mean, uh, yeah, they can be like, "All right, there there's money there. Tax it." Me. And then there's like actually figuring out how to how to do that. I don't care. I just want <laughs> this is NFT this is, people to be miserable. <laughs> well, this is the, the confluence of those miserable people and the miserable octogenarians trying to make laws about this shit who have no idea what the fuck they're yeah. making laws about. That's true. <laughs> what are these nuts? Yeah. Do they do you do you, do they move through the tubes that the internet is made of? Do you have to reach into the, the tubes? tubes? Yeah. Mm. They're unique tubes. They're pictures of tubes. <laughs> they're they're abstracted uh, uh, ownership of the tubes. I, don't I mean, know. I barely I barely know what NFTs are because they just sound so ridiculous to me. They're stupid. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Why don't we get back to pirating stuff? Yeah, but what were we talking about pirating? All right. I used to pirate stuff all the time when yeah, I yeah sure when I was a high schooler right high schooler yeah like yeah. well so like mo like almost every game that I played on the PC. I pirated, I mean, I paid, like, I bought ones that I could or, like, really, really wanted. But, like, there's a lot of games that I enjoyed that I pirated that I just would, like, never would have played. Like, all yep. of the Jedi Academy games would have never played them if I had to pay money because I just didn't have the money for it. But I enjoyed them, and I had a good time. Um, and, like, I, I can't think of others, but, I mean, like, there was a shitload of, like, and things like, you know, I pirated uh, Photoshop when I was that age because I wanted to learn Photoshop. And yep. turns out that's how I got into college was using my pirated Photoshop knowledge. If I had had to pay for Photoshop, I fucking wouldn't have gotten to college. <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, don't, doesn't even Adobe kind of accept and acknowledge that? And To I, I, a certain extent. Yeah. They have moved to a fucking shitty like subscription model subscription right? model which is you terrible. don't have to use the subscription model do you yes oh you do if now? you want to use any of their recent software I yeah see. um and also it's super expensive they do have like student versions but i think you have to already be in college to get that student version and also it's still way more expensive than it has any right to be yeah. um and you have to do it in like bundles it's fucking out of it's insane it's so stupid uh, you know, you know, it's balls. I, I have a subscription to Adobe and it was through my old employer. So it was like a nonprofit, uh, a nonprofit rate. So it's like 400 something a year. And no, not, that's actually not that bad, except I don't use it. Like I use my, I use, a, I use my work, my, my laptop for my new work that has its own 
subscription. So I'm I think I literally just got billed that like last month and forgot to cancel. Oh shit. But even then, like you spent four hundred dollars that year. Guess what? That used to just buy you Photoshop. Now you have to keep buying like you have to keep paying four hundred dollars a year. Yeah, but it's all of the things, not just Photoshop. It's like creative everything. It's like the whole creative suite, which is like oh. a lot of cool stuff. But again, I already have access to that. <laughs> but how much of that stuff are you actually using? Uh, well, every week I use Adobe Audition to record this podcast. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so after we're done paying for Vocaloid, we have to start paying for that subscription in order to, you know, get into the black with the podcast. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> no, actually, I don't think I've ever once used. Yeah, no, I've only ever used this work laptop subscription to adobe for the podcast because we started last year <laughs> right so i've literally never used my 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 actual subscription for any of this which is silly one thing i will say about the whole like the whole argument about the like you touched on it andy um which is like access to the sometimes access to pirated things gives both the user and the company sort of like a mutual benefit i would say the other one is like um uh, just, just having people be fans of the work is a value, right? And the more mm -hmm. people that are out there and they can also like talk about how much they like that thing and evangelize for it. And that causes like a social ripple of like good vibes for that property or whatever. Um, I think yeah, it's things going viral. Cause I remember like when I was a kid, uh, a lot of the games that I found out about were because friends of mine had pirated them or something like that and, you know, raved about them. Yeah. Also, I remember that when I was a kid, I was pirating games before I realized that I was pirating games. I didn't even know what it was. It was just like, oh, my dad brought me home this new game. And also there's a couple of like, you know, photocopied things with it. Huh. What are those? Oh, I guess I have to refer to that at some point throughout the game in order to keep on playing. Okay, that's great. And it wasn't until years later that I'm like, oh, that was a pirated game. And that was the copy protection circumvention. So wait, uh, your dad pirated games for you? I guess so. I mean... Yeah. I, I'm not sure if he knew what he was doing at the time or if, you know, like, I don't even know where all this came from. It was just like he came some, back with occasional Some fucking guy there. pulled up in a van and handed your dad some sketchy <laughs> CDs and, like, paperwork. Want to buy a kid some video games? You want mm -hmm. some video, video games, games, kid? Hey, kid, you <laughs> so want your video games? I got a trunk full of floppy disks. Well, I, I mean, some of them were also kind of raunchy games, like Leisure Suit Larry 3, I remember. Like, your, I, dad, I don't know why. your dad gave you Leisure Suit Larry? Yes. He probably had no what idea what he was doing. I don't know. My brother and myself both played through it. We enjoyed right. that game. That's Yeah, I'm sure you did. This explains so much. <laughs> well, the thing is, I was too young to understand any of the sexual content, and so I didn't remember any of that afterward. Only like, subliminally. It was just completely yeah. gone. It's just, Trevor's a it just deeply, turned you into a serial killer. <laughs> you're a deeply disturbed person. Clearly, <laughs> it's how I, it's the path that led me to this podcast. Yeah, you got some questions about the birds and the bees because just play this fucking game. Leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking leisure suit, Larry. So my dad also pirated. He knowingly pirated games for me when I was like ten, eleven ish, twelve. Um, because back in the day, that like the the hot the, the new hotness right was uh, burning CDs, but specifically burning them in such a way that it circumvented any copy protection. It was like burning the ROM rather than the files on the CD or something, mm. right? Or burning the ISO, right? Like if right, you burn yeah. the ISO mm. directly yes. to the, right? Sorry, I'm mis mixing up my acronyms. Yep. So he was, he, he was able to burn ISOs directly on the CD. So I was basically had like functionally identical versions of any of the CDs. Yep. Uh, that's how I played the original Baldur's Gate. And that's like ended up mm. being one of my favorite games I of all time. I bought Baldur's Gate. 
Oh my! It had yeah, five I discs. That's one of the games that I bought. My dad, uh, bless him, because he he really he really enjoyed doing this for me. This was like a way because we they, we were like my parents were recently divorced and we had recently moved to a different state, very far away. Mm-hmm. So he would do this as like a kind of a way to stay in, in touch. And um, he would even like copy like the labels and like pl- like print them out on like on like you know label Mm. um label sticker paper and then put the labels on the cds he packs them all up and mail them to me it's very lovely yeah i played some awesome uh, awesome games that way my copy of Baldur's gate 2 was a stolen copy Mm. uh, a pirate copy and hey you know i will probably end up paying money for Baldur's gate 3 and the circle of life is complete right there you go (laughs) yeah and you wouldn't have you wouldn't do that if you hadn't played the original probably not have any of y'all ever been actually cease and desist did, did, did for pirating? Like, no. have you ever actually gotten any kind of, of I think, recourse? I think I got an email uh, when I was in college after I downloaded an episode of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mike got one in college. I got one, too, in college. Yeah, RIT I got, was pretty harsh on that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. But being at RIT was also the, like, heaven of piracy. Yeah, we had so we have this. You know, we all know this in here, but for for those listening and who weren't RIT, students, Trevor doesn't know. Oh I yeah, don't know this. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe your campus was like this too, right? So so our college campus was even for like the early two thousands, like phenomenally well interneted, right? Fiber optic, yep, everywhere. Yep. And um, so the tech savvy students there, of course, could take advantage of that and set up a piracy network called the Hub. Yep. And using the yep. like blazing fast speeds, you could download literally everything you wanted in like a matter of seconds, like entire, like we, we downloaded entire seasons of lost and we're watching yeah. them in like a minute, you know, <laughs> there may or may not have been the exact same thing you're talking about in my, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising. So shocking. I know. I mean, on top of that also, like one of my roommates got like a really ridiculously overpowered computer to do some research work, like over the summer. And well, no, it was legitimately like doing like DNA sequencing. Um, and so like it needed to have a, a stupendous amount of storage for it. But then, like, the job finished, and he still had the thing, and he was going to college. And, so he like, had to I fill the hard drive with porn. <laughs> <laughs> no, anime. It was, I, I want to say anime it was, like, two porn. terabytes yeah. of uh, storage. Of anime porn? What a sicko. <laughs> and uh, basically, uh, he had it basically, like, streaming and uploading and downloading anime, like, all day long, to the point where, eventually, uh, IT from the college was like, uh, we think that somebody's infected your computer, and... Uh, <laughs> You set up some sort of illicit server, and he's like, "Oh, well, crap!" And so he. Un- oh darn! Did that I much anim- check on that? That much anime even exist back then? Like, yeah, I had asked him. It's like, what sort of percentage of like all of the anime that's ever been created do you think you had on this? And he had estimated around fifteen percent of all anime in creation was on that. Computer. And this was back in like the nineties. No, no, no. Early this was 2000s? like uh, around like two thousand three ish. Okay, there. all right. That was a decent amount by, by that point. Okay, okay. Yeah, but still Carry not on. a the absolute ton. Yeah, no. but but all he had to do is unplug the extra hard drives so that like just the operating system disk was in, and then he brought oh. it over to like support and was like, "Hey, I think I fixed it. Here you go. Take a look." And they're like, "Yep, <laughs> everything's great." And then they gave him back his network access. Nice. So you want to know who cease and desisted me? If if I could get, make you guess one company. Who would it be? Warner Brothers. No. Disney. It's Disney. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I was I was on a I was on a hot streak uh during a period of time where I was uh, living alone in my own apartment, so I was kind of bored. 
I was like, you know what? I got to backfill a bunch of movies and shit that I've always wanted to see. And I well, you got seen like cease and desist like in your actual like place of like Adult home. life. Yeah. So whoa, uh, it was, it was like email. never heard of that happening. Yeah. So and what my, my fuck up was uh, with with Wreck-It Ralph. And and of course, you, I think it was you downloaded Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty old by then, I think. I, even more so, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, could, I could just watch it on Disney Plus now, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But this was years ago. This was, like, before Disney Plus was a thing. Like, this wasn't recent. But you could um, still probably rent it, right? Digitally? I don't or maybe know. Well, not. That's thing. Again, it was the friction thing, right? Yeah, like, I guess. In the, day, in, in the days before that, I had downloaded and watched Terminator 2, Alien, Aliens, uh, a bunch, you know, just things that I'd always wanted to watch and I'd never watched yeah. before. And I didn't yeah, get I in trouble. I forgot that like Amazon a, streaming and stuff like that really yeah. is is still very recent. Really, oh, yeah. like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this was, this was a period of time in my like low like like low to mid twenties where like we hadn't mm-hmm. quite gotten to the modern sort of ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, also just to take us mentally back to the space and time that we're in right now, Netflix was around, but they were a company that physically shipped you DVDs that yeah. you requested. And this was way more convenient than anything else that had been around before them. It was pretty revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, yeah I got funny. that email. I got that email and I went, whoa, okay, shit. And they basically said, stop, please don't, don't do it again and you won't be in more trouble. And I was like, okay, I won't do it again. I remember those cease and desist, like... At least with Disney. People always said, like, you would get them... Like, they didn't care if you downloaded shit. It was that you were uploading stuff. That's what, it, they, yeah. that's what they got pissed about. And I forget what I done. I don't know because when you're downloading it, you are actively seeding it, but then you can stop the seed. And I yeah. may have kept the seed up a, a, a like for a night or something, so like a yeah. little bit too long. And that's I think why I got in trouble. Yeah. Oopsie. Can't use public torrent drivers anymore. Yeah. Got to use NordVPN <laughs> to <laughs> to to hide your internet activity. We're not sponsored by NordVPN. Not yet. <laughs> Ford, have you uh, have you done any illicit internet work? Yeah, incriminate yourself <laughs> along with the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll just tell you all about that stuff. Yeah, like I said, I did get, I think, uh, yeah, some kind of cease and desist for like downloading like Guitar Hero or some shit. In, Monster uh, in college. Yeah. Wow, Guitar Hero. Did you did you illegally download the guitar thing too? No, I had I had the the physical, physical guitar. guitar. You can't you can't you can't <laughs> download a guitar. Unfortunately, you can't download a car. Oh, yeah. Can't download a guitar either. But would you if you <laughs> could? <laughs> I mean, with a three D printer now, you could get pretty probably close. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> one well one other thing i wanted to bring up that people may have forgotten younger folks probably won't even see it all the coolest part of piracy back in the day is key gens so when you have a key gen is like you know <laughs> companies companies would you know create some kind of copy protection right to try to defeat piracy so like you'd have a game people just copy the game if it didn't have any copy protection like okay we gotta add something back in the day you had to do stupid shit like there'd be stuff in the manual like trevor alluded to where like you'd have to look up something in like Page 86, word, paragraph two, word three. That's like the copy protection you have to own the manual. And then at some point, they figured out some kind of like cryptographic thing where like, you know, you'd have a CD key, as we mentioned. A um, sticker that was on the jewel case. Right. Yeah. It, would just, it would have a unique key for your copy of the thing, and it'd be some gobbledygook of I remember and letters. my copy of Halo, or not Halo, uh, Half-Life. Somebody, somebody genned my key, essentially. So uh, my phys- I had a physical copy, but it wouldn't work. So I had to use I had to find a key gen to use my physical copy because somebody <laughs> two piracies don't do do make a right. Yes. <laughs> it's backwards. 
my favorite key related story was uh i think the original starcraft uh i think if you put in all threes it was a legitimate key just <laughs> just the hack the hacks code just three 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 but ford please please describe the key gens <laughs> yeah so obviously people had to figure out how to defeat these uh these key protection schemes right so um I think, yeah, I think we didn't mention is that the, a lot of like piracy, like groups kind of exist, like on Usenet, if, you, if anyone <laughs> remembers what Usenet is nowadays. Yeah. So they're like groups of like hackers that come up with, you know, these schemes to defeat copy protection stuff to pirate things, just probably, you know, partially because it's a challenge. Um, they may not even be making any money off of it. And the coolest part of these key gens is they would, it would, it would be like its own little program that would have like a generate button and it, it spits out a key. But that's too boring. They got to make it cooler, so they include some music. So it'd be like demo scene style music of just like synthesized stuff that were like it would all exist inside the application. Like it'd just be all. Synthesized. Yeah, you'd launch you'd launch the keygen like application and a like Winamp themed like <laughs> wild ass design of like Chrome and goofy ass stuff and like just wacky shit and like crazy colored buttons. And then this terrible ass music would play <laughs> or awesome ass music. Yeah. This was everyone. They're all unique and they were all baffling. And aside from that, all the program did, it was you press a button. It's a generate and the key would pop up in a little white box and you, would you just, just copy and paste, copy paste it. Yeah. The reason that that works right is that the keys were themselves controlled by like an algorithm. And it's not like it's not like some like little old lady was like at the company like saying like okay now this key is gonna be X two nine six blah 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 and then like stick that in the database. It was more like a computer generated them and knew kind of how to recognize which keys were legitimate according to its algorithm. So right, a hacker type person figures out that algorithm and then just creates a program that can generate keys that also match the algorithm. And those were like the simplest solutions. Like key gens yeah. were like. Usually the like if all it required was a key gen, like those were out quick and like easy to do. Sometimes you had to do like crazy hacks where you uh would download like ISOs and like have to do a bunch of wacky shit and then like burn a disc and like then you could like mail it to it. Tijuana. It was fucking wait for I just return. remember like jumping through so many hoops to get some of these things to work. That's how that's how Adobe software worked in the mid two thousands, right? You had to crack it, right? That that's the other way to do it. You had to download a crack. I think that was the mm. that's the word for it, right? It was just basically a program yeah. that you run that does some magic in the background, probably installs a virus on top of what it was supposed to do, mm -hmm. and also tricks quote unquote Adobe into thinking that you have a legitimate copy and allowing you to use the software. It's like an arms race. That's the kind of fun thing about piracy, right? Is that it's like the 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 pirates do a thing the company then tries to sort of circumvent that thing with a more complex thing and then the pirates figure out a way to circumvent that and they just like one up each other forever and ever until the company finally realizes yeah, make it worse yeah that their copy protection is making it worse <laughs> yeah and then they have to reduce the friction i mean like there were points where the companies took this in really like immoral directions like i remember uh, drm yeah well yes yeah exactly but there was like one that actually installed a root kit on your computer. Like it was an audio CD that like if you put it into your like a regular computer, it would autoplay install a root kit, uh, which basically sort of like circumvents your ability to read directly from these disks. It was kind of crazy. And I'm hoping somebody else knows what I'm talking about so they can actually explain it in better nope. detail. Do not. If they had that ability, they could also be like, I don't know, install a virus that 
deletes your Win32 folder. Right. <laughs> How dare you copy my shit? Explode your computer. But I mean, DRM is interesting because like DRM for a while, like it was getting so bad that I remember that there were games that the DRM was so DRM insane. Digital, digital rights management? Management, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it was so insane on, I can't remember what game it was, where it was so insane like and it it actually like impeded like it made the game gameplay it made worse owning it right it made owning the game legitimately painful right yeah, yeah. to the point where like people were like everywhere just using the cracked version because the cracked version got rid of all the drm and the game played better it would launch easier like there were a lot of issues with like it wouldn't launch because it would need like the internet and stuff and that stuff wasn't great at the time and uh, yeah, that's where like the pirates and like people trying to like fight pirates, like coming together in like the stupidest way and making shit bad. It's like that old, I want to say Buddhist adage, when two elephants fight, it is the grass that suffers. Mm. Whoa, man. Whoa. Take a, take a hit of your doobie after that one. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Steam in the Epic's game, Epic Game Launcher. Have we solved piracy? Are we? Do we do it? Don't do it. Is it good or bad? Did we do it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying don't do it to companies employing DRM. It doesn't matter as long as we solve. I think it. one thing that's interesting before we cut it off is like, right, the age of DRM came and went, and then stuff happened. Like, um, right, they completely removed DRM. DRM for waggling is DRM still around. Denuvo is still around. Actually, Denuvo may have gone bankrupt, but Denuvo Denuvo was active for a very long time, getting put in a fuck ton of games, and Denuvo was oh. shit. I don't know. I mean, uh, I feel like most of it's been supplanted by subscription services for better or worse, but also in a lot of cases, DRM was just stripped back away, right? From like, uh, from like music, for instance, um, which is yeah. interesting. It's interesting that sometimes, and, and I, this is actually a thing I like a lot about sort of society in the world is actually a lot of it does rest sort of on an honor system. And as long as you sort of give people the chance to do it the honorable way, many or most of them will, assuming that the friction thing is solved, you know? I think it was that was like a thing that came out of time and like technology reaching a point that like you know you you could make things easy and available you know like for the longest time it was like people will do the right thing no they won't because <laughs> it turns out stealing is just much easier and everything everything used to be so much more difficult well, that's kind of to the point, right? It's it's not that it's not that they stole because uh, they wanted to save money or whatever. They wanted something for free. They just wanted to do the thing that was the easiest, and they'd willingly pay money if that was the easiest way to get the thing. But I don't think that was like apparent. I think that's a thing no, that it wasn't like, apparent. That's like, like it thing. took a lot of time to like come to that realization. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because technology was new, and you know. Like for the longest time, everyone was like, piracy is bad because like you just do it because you're evil. (laughs) Well, we we should honestly do a whole topic on like technophobia and how ignorance of technology led to a lot of the issues that we have with technology and all the fear and the consternation was just, you know, technologically illiterate people misunderstanding and freaking out about shit. Do you remember Metallica waging their (laughs) war against Napster? Yeah, of course. And now they're on fucking Spotify. I just, for some reason, that just, <laughs> that makes me like laugh. I don't know why. Like whenever I go to the Spotify and Metallica's on there, I'm just like, you fucking assholes. <laughs> I never made that connection. Thank you for that. 
Yeah, I think this this is a whole separate topic too, but it feels like the music industry was like just kind of a big casualty of all this. Like you can't really make a career off of purely recorded music anymore. Just like you're just not going to yeah. make enough money. You have right. to tour. Oh, I've got thoughts about that. So I mean, the music industry was an invention of the of the 20th century anyways. Like it came and it went. Oh, well, like it's something else now. That, that's my that's my thoughts. Right before that, like musicians had a different way of making a living and then music distribution did its thing and it was cool, I guess. But right now, music artists have to do shows and stuff, which is kind of like how musicians had to do their thing before the music industry existed. They had to perform. You know, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, you know, before. Yeah, I, just, I think I just bit like, that topic in the butt. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's weird because it's like you know, before, um, there were big bands, like bands made a lot of money. Artists made a lot of money off of records and stuff like that. But nowadays, like, you're not gonna like artists aren't gonna make their money off of that. But, um, you know. I think the amount of artists has exploded as well. Like you, you can now find and like hear so many more artists than like it's to say like, Oh, people aren't going to make money that way. But like you weren't, most artists weren't going to make that money in the old way either, you know, because they just weren't going to get picked up by labels because it was all controlled by labels and stuff. So I think like lamenting, that and being like oh they're not making the money but it's like yeah but also the majority of people weren't going to in that old system like that was also broken you know so it was just different oh man fucking whatever pirates i would say that i think it is a tra tragedy that music artists have a hard time making a living i wish there was a better way i think spotify is not a great yeah, it's new. bullshit how they have pay their people. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, okay, maybe we solve piracy. Sure. Aside from the music part. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that next. We solve video game piracy. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Or do. Unless it's easier or than do. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We solved it. I don't give a fuck. Do what you want, you assholes. Pretty Get much. off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Let's do it. Welcome back. Do you guys want to do? Hey, check this out. so ready great i'll go first yeah i am gonna recommend um diablo 2 resurrected i don't know if i already recommended this i feel like i maybe have but i also might not have i can't remember <laughs> it's the it's not a remake well it's like a remaster of diablo 2 it's on i got it i've been playing it on the switch but it's on pc and other 
things. And it looks really great, but it is very much still Diablo 2. They didn't change pretty much anything. So if you didn't like Diablo 2, you're not going to like this. It's um, a very important question here. Can you pirate it? I I don't <laughs> think you can. Well, I mean, like, you probably can. Sure. But um, so there have been issues with the launch because... Um, it needs to connect to battle.net even for like offline play. And so there were some really bad issues because they used a lot of the same net code that they like, they literally use the same net code from the original Diablo two. And so, um, the scaling of it didn't quite work out, I think in their favor. And, uh, yeah, people were having a lot of trouble, like just even playing the game period, um, they finally did some patching recently where you can just say, don't fuck battle.net. Just let me play offline, please. And you can do that. But if you want to play online, you now have to like wait in queues that are like 200 people or something. It's pretty ridiculous. What the fuck? Like Blizzard Activision is like the biggest gaming company that exists and they have a queue. Well, like I said, they, they, they didn't like really rewrite. They're like, Battle.net code. Oh, so oh, okay. It's like using Diablo 2's original stuff. And like <laughs> they wrote, they did like a huge article on it. And they were like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that like we should have like maybe not done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, whoops. I was actually going to go and recommend something Blizzard related as well. Which um, semi-recently, uh, Hearthstone came out with a new game mode called Mercenaries, mm. and it's just it's I don't I'm not gonna say it's great. I still have to play it more to kind of see if I really like it, but it's interesting. And so sometimes some, it's interesting is worth checking out. It's basically like I mean it's it's really quite different from the normal game of Hearthstone. It's like a whole separate collection, and you actually collect and level up individual like mercenary hero cards, and like. Every every time you play a game of it, it's basically like a multi, um, kind of like a multi round run where you have to like fight all the enemies each each round to get to the boss. And you have a party of six cards that you get to choose which ones go in, and each of them get, has up to three abilities depending on how much you've leveled them up. And they have like cool little synergies with each other. So it's kind of Hearthstoney, right? And some of its mechanics, but also quite different. It's almost it plays a lot more like an RPG than a card game. Weird. Um, and do you play this against other people or just against computers? It has a PvP mode. I haven't tried the PvP mode yet, but you can. Yeah. Um, it's one thing that I like about it is just that it gives you kind of another set of things to do in Hearthstone. If you like run out of your quests for the day, it has its own kind of separate little quest thing going on. And um, you basically, you know, you earn coins for each of your individual heroes. So there's like a lot of shit to collect, which kind of feels fun and good. Although it's also clearly a money-making scheme because there's lots of ways to buy those coins uh -huh. <laughs> if you want to level up your hero. But like, it's yeah. one of those things where like, you know, you don't have to do the. It's not. It's, it doesn't feel like it's trying to trick you into paying money or anything. It's just <laughs> yeah, you walk into that with your eyes wide open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I think it's worth checking out. Um, it's gotten. You know, I, I've been kind of taking a pretty long break on Hearthstone, and it's kind of mm -hmm. nice to get back into both that new game mode, and I've also been playing the normal game as well. Cool. Cool. I can go. On the kind of related note of emulation and historical preservation, I found a really cool YouTube video called Sega Saturn CD Cracked After... How many years was it? 20 years. Whoa. Uh, damn. So it turned out that for the Sega Saturn, their uh, CD lasers would apparently just die. Nobody really expected the solid-state electronic thing to die like that. So there's lots of Saturns that just can't play games anymore. 
Um, oh. So one guy went on the epic quest to like figure out how to circumvent the um, CD drive and ended up figuring out a way to kind of get like a basically a hard drive connection into like a unused expansion port on the Saturn. And it's really an interesting video about like wow. the side of this. So this allows you to like load games on a hard drive in like ISO form and like play them on real Saturn hardware. Huh. Yeah, that's some real dedication to that archival thing we were talking about. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I also learned that the Saturn also has a completely wild sound chip in it. That seems dope. But I'm not going to pay the like $600 to like get a Saturn in it. So did they have like emulation of Saturn like well before this? Yeah, yeah. Saturn emulation has been a thing for a while. Actually, I've I've been doing it for quite a time. But I think it's it's, the Saturn also in its weird technical specs was like hard to emulate because it has two CPUs. Um, So, you know, there's there's value in um, playing stuff on real hardware. So cool. All right. Well, I don't really have a hey, check this out, so I'm just going to recommend having pets in pairs. My parents just got a second puppy recently, and she is getting very, along very well with the puppy that they already had. Uh, I like how you're recommending this, having not lived with those two dogs or <laughs> experiencing what it's like doing this. You're just doing it off the recommendation that, hey, it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> it absolutely does, and I encourage my parents to do it. I, I will be visiting them in a couple of weeks, so I'll be able to see firsthand whether or not this is a terrible idea or not. But well, by then they'll have lived through the terror. <laughs> yes. All, all the initial indications, though, are that the puppies are very happy to have companion puppies. Great. I can send you a little video after this, and you can judge for yourself. I will judge. I will judge it harshly. <laughs> all right. You do you. You got to compare and contrast it. You got to compare and contrast it with the uh, the the video of Remy by himself reacting to himself in the mirror. Right, that is fair. <laughs> you could have just given him a mirror, just... giving him more mirrors. Uh, okay, I'm at a Mindler on Twitter. Where can people find you guys? Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. You can find me. I what what, the, what how am I saying this? Uh, <laughs> let me start that again. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at the Brendo. I am also on Twitter at Heckbringer. And I am also on Twitter at Redhesion, also adhesion.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash adhesion. Also buy stuff on Bandcamp. I forgot to mention Bandcamp. Oh, yeah. It's a cool alternative to listen to stuff on Spotify. Pay money to artists directly. Look and do it. It's great. <laughs> and also buy games and... through itch.io instead of like Steam if you can, because more of the money goes to the people making the games play our games on itch.io and then donate money because they're just free but you can, can donate you money. donate to us i think yes. so if not then we need to set that up oh. Oh. get all get all that moolah rolling in yeah uh uh segueing into that uh, you can find you can get in touch with all of us on team radmars on twitter we're at team radmars uh you can play our games on radmars.com or radmars.itch.io as previously mentioned i can also do the credits that's my job uh oh shit Wait, this is episode 80? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this episode was edited by Andrew Ford and music in this episode and all episodes is by Andrew Ford. Great job. Thank you. We appreciate your service. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think that's it. I think we finished the episode. Finally. We did it. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> now someone's going to pirate this. <laughs> Be my guest. It's a podcast. You get it for free everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't pirate our podcast, you jerks. <laughs> Please enter yeah. the CD key to listen to the second half of the podcast. Not.
<laughs> right. This is the paid portion of the podcast where we just make fart noises with our mouths. <laughs> or not. Yeah. You can pay not to have that. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and thank you guys for being here. All right. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.